2: folks it's the thursday edition of college sports now we are locked and loaded matt norlander from cbs sports eye on college basketball and cbs sports hq fame joins us he is fresh off the set norlander you still got the shirt and tie rocking or did you dress no, down
4: i am i am fresh off the set the set being 12 feet to my right in my office and i'd actually i, I texted you i'd be on in two no I, I took the shirt and tie off i have now uh, i got, I got a T-shirt rocking here. I, I just I can't be going for you know, more than an hour with you with a shirt and tie. On. Fine. So no, yeah, I totally um, will not. I'll do. I'll do a quick plug. If you do happen to have CBS Sports Network on your cable package, there is a there is an HQ Spotlight show that is Monday through Friday from three to six. It's uh and it's a whole bunch of goody stuff. So I will be on that. If you listen to this on Friday, you already missed me. But I'll be on frequently throughout the rest of college basketball season. I'll be on today at the three forty-five hour talking about a variety of stuff happening Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in college hoops. It's great to be with you, gentlemen. Uh, I, server's back which is good i i logged on monday we did the show a uh, fellow named trip was on and I, I was i was fine with fine with trip but you tell i you know took me a good five ten minutes to adjust knowing that server wasn't on the other end so I'm Ser-
2: server back. is with us he is uh, he's licking his wounds after getting humbled at the joel in the midweek uh, but it's fine humbled knew that was going
1: to happen that's like classic we have phil Steele on norlander every week uh, during football season and he always tells us in college football at least he's like hey when a team hadn't been in the top 25 for a while and they get in look out upset alert like it it, it's tough to get there and then stay there uh after you haven't been there for a while almost always on the losing end like vegas does not favor these teams in these situations so i kind of saw it coming a mile away but it's okay we're moving on uh
4: also, didn't have their starting point guard. I mean, I don't know if Sir right. have read it, but I, I had I featured Clemson lead item court report this week. Tigers, Brad Brownell. Lendous. So,
2: see, you're focusing on the wrong thing here, Norlander. That the story coming out of that performance are the Deeks. I mean, listen, I, I don't know about that <laughs> they got Virginia coming into town this weekend. Okay, I know. Listen, you guys want to make fun of the ACC? That's fine. I get it. There may not be a Final Four <laughs> no. team from this conference but that's accurate Wake, well, Wake no, Forest is starting to cook a little bit at home what is it 15 in a row for that's Steve right. Forbes have we had Forbes on the show we had Forbes on the show last year uh, he was fantastic he was elite yeah, but listen sure man, have, the he stu- me after listen the like, students no, are back, back. I'm not saying it. that tie-dye Nation is 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 all the way back but that it's place not. listen for a nine o'clock game in the middle of the week the Joel, uh, it was kind of rocking a little bit. So now you were you, in, were you inside to the walls? Come on, man, no. Uh,
4: what are we doing here? Nine o'clock. So what? Get out there. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank yeah, you, oh, you had you time much. to go to Duke. So.
2: Uh, yeah, I had a cousin in town from the Northeast. He's a bandwagon fan, so I had to kind of show him the sights. That's that's how things go. So had he listen. ever
4: been inside Carolina borders before he came to town? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, but he had never been to Cameron.
2: He had never been to the Dean Dome, so I had to roll out the carpet for him. I had
4: to show him the sights. Blind Uh, guess, this cousin is from New Jersey.
2: He is from Wilmington, Delaware.
4: Okay, close enough.
2: Not
1: Wilmington, North Carolina.
2: Carolina. Not Wilmington, North Carolina, which Which I Which which
1: Norlander? All right, now if someone says Wilmington to you, being from Connecticut, you're going to say Delaware.
4: Correct, Correct, because I lived in Wilmington, Delaware, for like nine months when I was like three years old. Right, I
1: live in North Carolina, so when someone when someone introduces someone, they're like, "He's from Wilmington." Where do you think I would think he was from?
4: Obviously, r- right inside that great
1: home of the area. Seahawks, of course. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to clarify where that. we don't need where? to go into any more detail here, but
4: okay. Brad Brownell Jeez. once coached at UNC Wilmington. He did. It all comes full circle. It all that's comes how we got so we got the full gig.
2: circle. Very nice. So here's what we've got on the show today: friend of the program. John Fanta is going to join us in about twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes. Uh, Fanta was courtside for Seton Hall and UConn last night. He is our Big East expert, uh, analyst, reporter. He calls games. He does it all, and he's gonna he's gonna come on. We're gonna talk Big East basketball. Norlander, the Big East is is a lot of fun. So we'll talk about that with uh, with Fanta. I'm also going to ask him about Gonzaga because I-, I tried to ask you that question and you dodged it a couple weeks ago when uh, when I first brought it up. So does the Big East need Gonzaga? Does Gonzaga need the Big East? I will ask Fanta, and I will get his thoughts on that, Norlander, since you and Mark, you okay. were too tight. For you to talk about that. That's well, not true. Show. I'm
4: willing to talk about it. By the way, this is my third show since the season got revved back up, so it wasn't weeks ago. It was literally one week ago.
2: It feels like forever because college basketball is just coming hot and heavy, man. These games right. are coming in waves. The Big Twelve was a lot of fun earlier in the week. You and Gary Parrish spent quite a bit of time talking about Kansas and Kansas State on your latest Eye on College Basketball pod, and rightfully so. I mean, that was a proper court storming in Manhattan. That is how it is done. Yeah. I mean, flood the entire court, leave, leave no corner, you know, uncovered by the student section. Agreed. So that was a lot of fun. And I guess the takeaway for this, for the casual college basketball fan, which you are not, obviously, but like for Cerber and I, uh, Jerome Tang, this man gets it. Phenomenal scenes in Manhattan. So can we talk a little bit about the Big 12? Because things are starting to get exciting there. Baylor's starting to heat up. They've won three in a row. Iowa State's knocking off Texas. Basically, nobody can win on the road in that league, which is a lot of fun.
4: It's it, You got that right. West Virginia finally picked off a home win. TCU fell on the road. TCU is going to be a tournament team, but actually has lost three of four TCU after a 13-1 start. So there's going to be there's going to be balance in the world. If Baylor's getting hot, someone's got to be getting cold, right? Well, TCU kind of getting cold as of late. There, the Big 12. You know, I'm not breaking news. It's just it's by far the best league in the country. (laughs) Is it
2: by far the best league in the country? By far. So it's yeah, and the the nature and the and the
4: reason. The reason for that, Hartzell, is that because it only has 10 teams, there is no soggy bottom, you know? Texas Tech might be a little bit soggy. It's 0-6 in league play, and it's not going to the tournament. That'd be more Uh, like a soggy tortilla, though. There we go. Who wants that, right? By the way, I'm going to do a quick hop-off the off-ramp here and get right back on. You ever have a restaurant that you've gone to, you like it, but then it it just fades a little bit, and you don't learn your lesson? Of course. Okay, real quick on this, on soggy tortilla – um, yesterday was my wife's birthday and there was a place that we went to, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago before we were even engaged. And she actually grew up at the restaurant in her, in her hometown. We live about 25 minutes away from the house she grew up in. And, uh, she was like, you know, let's go here. Cause we had not been to this restaurant, I think since 2015. And so we go there and I remember the first time I ever went to this place, I got a, a, a shrimp, uh. Uh, now I'm blanking on what they're called. Uh, with well, the fried, the fried burrito. Come on, man. What am I doing to myself Jiminy right now? Chimichangas. Chimichanga. Thank you. I got this shrimp chimichanga and it was unbelievable. Changed my world. Right. But in the past, like two or three times I've gone, which again, it had been literally since 2015. I remember getting the chimichanga and it kind of fallen off. I, I, I <laughs> she was cracking up laughing because I told her after we got home, I was looking at the menu. I was looking at these two other things that look good. It comes to me. I'm the last one to order and I'll go, I'll have the shrimp chimichanga. Dude, this thing was such a disappointment. Like, and I don't. And by the way, I'm just not an onion guy. I hate, I hate onions. Hate onions. And I forgot to say no onions. This thing was loaded, loaded with onions. So miserable experience. The tortilla, which should be flaky, it's crispy, be crispy, crunchy, yeah, it's gotta be soggy situation. It just mm. a complete disaster. So uh, I've learned my lesson. I said we're never going back there. Or if we go, if I'm forced to go back there at some point, I do not let me order the chimichanga. It's just just. Dis- it's dispiriting. That's all. So, so you
2: anyway, went, so so you, so so, hang on. I, I have a question here. Okay. Uh, it's it's birthday. It's birthday night in the Norlander household. So instead it's of the making,
4: fam, it's it's yeah. You it's brought the whole sister. crew. It's it's all our it's our two kids, sister in law, her sister, brother in law, their their daughter, and then her mother, and then so uh, we got
2: a table for yeah. twelve. You're not. You're, you're You're not. Table, for, table for
4: eight, really, you're but with the ninth with the baby.
2: You're not yeah. watching UConn, Seton Hall in the corner, like you're not jonesing because uh, you're missing big. basketball. My man, basketball? We, we get we
4: we walk into the establishment at 4:57. Oh
2: my! Kids, God. there.
4: They need to eat by like 5:25. That's so, like kids
2: eat free type stuff, man.
4: So we were we were out of the we were out of the building by seven o'clock. I got back, put the kids down, and so I was I was dialed into UConn in time for the second half.
2: Dude, that is elite family planning by you. Phenomenal. We're not.
4: Work. We're not. Messing around here.
2: Yeah, clearly. That's exceptional. Okay. So how does this relate to the Big Twelve being You better said than soggy every tortilla, than it just brought
4: me back to my disappointment from last night. So it goes. bit of a little bit of a little bit the a little the of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of are you going to be good with this harsel right now? Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas Baylor TCU, all unquestionably, you know, top 30 level teams. Those 6 are going to the tournament. But if I tell you that something's going to break that either Oklahoma State, which is currently 10 and 8, Oklahoma 11 and 7, West Virginia 11 and 7, those teams are a combined 5 and 13 in league play. Are you, is it going to sit with you? that one of those teams is going to make it to the tournament. Because I'm just telling you, the strength of the tournament and the quad one and quad two opportunities, Like at least one of those teams is going to get enough wins to validate entry. And sometimes you have problems with this. So I'm trying to brace you for this now. Are you okay with that?
2: I mean, I'm sure you've got probably six Final Four contenders coming out of that league, knowing you.
4: No, I mean, I would say Kansas, Iowa State, K-State, Texas. Uh, I'd say there's four. there's four. Although some people would make an argument for TCU. I would not. Some people might even make an argument for Baylor. Hey, Why not? Yeah, six Final Four contenders. Okay. There we go. Very good.
2: Yeah. Excellent. Everybody's going to the big dance. Everybody's there going to go. the, the main event in Houston. Hey, how good is this league going to be next year when Houston joins the fray?
4: Uh, Come on now. It's not just Houston. It's Houston. It's Cincinnati UCF. We'll see how that goes. Although UCF is a solid enough team this season. And then BYU, which is a little, little bit bumpy. Big 12 will be interesting. But because it's it's expanding, what will be intriguing for the college hoops diehards is because it's getting to 14 for one year. And then it'll go the Big 12 will be hello 12 teams once Texas and Oklahoma leave for the SEC, which that's going to take a decade minimum to get used to, by the way, the fact that those teams are not going to be, they're going to be in the sec. It's going to be weird. It's going to be dumb, whatever. Um, When the big 12 is a 14 team league, it's chances of being the best conference in the country will not be as guaranteed or likely as it is currently right now there, but a wonderful scene for K state. Uh, That win was tremendous. And you're right. Jerome Tang, the man gets it. He's the front runner for national coach of the year. I don't think it's arguable right now that he should be in the one spot. I did put out my list of top 10 on Wednesday at Cbsports.com and I had Painter, two, I had Sean Miller, three. I might have to tweak that now after having lost it to DePaul. Just slip him down to four or five. That's all. Bad, you lose to Paul, there are got to be consequences. We'll
2: save the Big East talk for Fanta, but,
4: bro, Yeah, well, you lose to DePaul, there's got to— I mean, it's also on the road. Uh, and, and Xavier's two and four in its last six against DePaul, so not totally surprising there. But let's stick in the Big 12. Kansas State gets uh, a validating win, only it's— 7th win in its past like 71 games against Kansas. Just <laughs> that it's just been a one-sided affair there, but they get the big one and then Iowa State, yes, 14 and 3 right now, beat Texas. The reason why you want to buy Iowa State and I have this in my power rankings from Thursday at cbsports.com. Texas is a very good team, very good team. 15 and 3 overall has beaten the likes of Gonzaga and TCU, Creighton when Creighton was at full strength. Texas has a lot to it right now. Iowa State didn't allow Texas to score for a five minute span in that game. When you have a defense a defense that is capable of really turning off a team's water like that, Iowa State made it into the tournament last season as an eleven seed and then won a couple of games, made the sweet sixteen. It's not gonna be an eleven seed this year. Iowa State's gonna be a three or a four or a five seed this season. And I'm just telling you right now, I would I would strongly, strongly advise you consider putting them into the Sweet 16, no matter their seed line, no matter their opponent, because their defense shows up every single night. That's a good team, and it's got a couple of, uh, of reliable scorers there. TJ Altsenberg has done a, uh, done a wonderful job. Big 12, it's a guaranteed watch every single week, man. You're getting two, three, four, got to see it games. Very, very fun league. Hey, speaking of defense, I want to
2: segue and talk a little SEC basketball. There were two games last night that had my eye in the SEC. One of them uh, involved very little defense. Arkansas losing at Missouri. The other one, Florida and Texas A&M. And listen, man, I know you want to hold your nose at this. This is this was bad basketball. Bad basketball. Our man Todd Golden, first year head coach of the Gators. Them dudes. You know how many field goals they had in the first half, Norlander? Of course you do.
4: I'm gonna say three.
2: They had two. Ah. Uh. There were two of 26 from the floor in the first half, my man. That's hard to do. And they still only lost by two. But listen, I will be in Nashville for the SEC basketball tournament. It was in Tampa last year. It goes back to the Music City, and rightfully so. Man, outside of Alabama, this is a this is a bad league, Norlander. I, I, I mean, I there's, mean, there's uh, teams. There are teams. There are programs. But there, the, the quality of the basketball is not very good.
4: Programs. It's Programs, thank you. Programs. Uh it's not a bad league. It's not just it's not an A level league. Um Yeah, I'd actually I want to talk to Golden soon. He probably didn't sleep last night. <laughs> the a, a coach like him and his style and his approach to to planning schemes and, and paying attention to the metrics. Uh, he probably was nauseous at uh, how terrible his his team played. And well, understanding that A&M had, had something to do with that as well. Texas A&M, by the way, is five and in league play. Alabama is the only other team in the sec without a scratch so far in conference competition there. Um, but there's no I, trustworthy team. I am not here. in on AM yet. I'm right. that's what I'm trying to tell you right now. Like I feel like sometimes Hartley you think like no matter the team we talk about I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, you you're not as harsh of a grader. Get his
2: ass. Hey, easy, easy
4: Serbs. easy. Easy. <laughs> Norlander's
2: right. the guy who's got 30 teams who can cut down the nets.
4: That's not true. That's not true. Although this year I might have 35. Okay. But, Excellent. beside the
0: point. Very good.
4: Uh Alabama. All right. Let's let's teams that can conceivably make a final four from this conference. Alabama. Yes. Tennessee. Man, the best, best defensive team by a mile in the country. If you have a defense that good, you can make the final four.
2: We had this discussion. I know earlier. you don't trust
4: the offense, but when the defense is that good and the possession slow in the tournament, I know it's Rick Barnes as well. Conceivably can make the final four. They have to be on the list. They're yeah. by far the best defensive team in the country. They have to be on Until
2: the they have one of those games, which happens every March, where they shoot like 22% from the uh,
4: floor. I didn't say they're a lock. I'm saying conceivable. Okay. Okay? What about Auburn? Alabama, Tennessee you have to put Kentucky on the list because it's literally done this under John Calipari had an underwhelming season, got into the tournament with not a great seed, and made final four runs. It's literally happened multiple times. So Kentucky has to be on that with Alabama and Tennessee. And that's where the list ends. Arkansas would have been thought to be one of those teams. It isn't. I've been telling you about Arkansas for two, three weeks, you know, I'm I'm like your I'm like your investment advisor. I I see the trend before it happened before it becomes the trend. I told you to be wary of Arkansas. This was a team that was in the preseason top ten, was in the top ten into December, but it just doesn't have shooting, and now its defense is completely eroding, and it played an unwatchable game. Listen, Soul, I'm gonna upend all your expectations and and preconceived notions about what I'm bringing to this podcast that was terrible basketball i could not watch it there were like 56 fouls 70 foul shots Proud of you. 13 monitor reviews i had the game on because you know wife's birthday she she got tired she went to bed i'm like well i got to i got to catch me some hogs tigers in columbia what do you want for me so and and then i was finishing up the power rankings. so like doing the power rankings i'm i'm sorting all this stuff out I know neither of these two damn teams are going to be involved in it. So I've got it on. Like I'm looking every every fifteen to thirty seconds. And dude, there's so many mono reviews. It was it was torture. Terrible, terrible stuff. Terrible stuff. And uh and Arkansas winds up losing. So Missouri, you know, Missouri's tracking well in year one under Dennis Gates. They're fourteen and four. That's good stuff. But the SEC uh a bit of a quagmire across the board here. Because you had like Teams like LSU, Missouri to an extent, Mississippi State. These are teams with first-year coaches who started off, you know, 8-0, 9-0, 12-1, right? They started well in the non-conference because they had patsy schedules. And now LSU is 1-5 in league play. Mississippi State is 1-5 in, in league play. Arkansas, 1-5 and in, in league play. You know, and then, you know, Vanderbilt's not any good. Um Georgia, not, good win total better. right now, but not projected they to be. They are they're better. Doing, they're better. They're better, but they're not a tournament team, I don't think. No, 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 no. I don't no. think they're a tournament team, but the three the floor, and two in the league. The, they're a,
2: the, 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 the floor was, was pretty low there. Yeah, uh, yeah they've got Florida's better. been a
4: disappointment. The one team that's interesting, and in I almost put them in my power rankings. My power rankings rank 19 teams, so it's called the Hey 19 called hey 19 because steely dan rules and no one does a power rankings with 19 teams i'm gonna be that guy and so i give you 19 teams why because you want 20 you're not getting 20 you're getting 19 every thursday at cbssports.com between the hours of 11 1 p.m 11 a.m and 1 p.m they're going up auburn's not in that That they're 15 and 3 with a five one record in the sec have won four in a row destroyed lsu on the road i don't know how much that means but they're getting it done and uh and, and so there's still something there. The SEC is not a bad league. It's just not the best league. It's not the second-best league. It's probably not the third-best league, but it's going to get a number of teams in the tournament, and it's got some Final Four contenders.
2: Have you looked at Kentucky's upcoming schedule? It is... I, I know there's an, there's an SEC Big 12 matchup with Kansas, which is at Rupp, but it is pretty manageable over the next month. So for the program that got you know, absolutely trampled after, and rightfully so after losing at home to South Carolina in embarrassing fashion. They they went on the road, knocked off a top five Tennessee team at Thompson Bowling, did what they needed to do against Georgia. Oscar Sheboy had 55 points and 49 rebounds in that game, by the way. Home to Texas A&M, at Vanderbilt, host Kansas, at Ole Miss, home to Florida, home to Arkansas, at Georgia, at Mississippi State. I mean there's no reason they can't win what seven out of those eight games that I just rattled off maybe run the table since Kansas is at home who knows just it's saying. all about
4: the framing it's all about the framing if Kentucky is the team that we thought it was then yes but if it's the team it's showed itself to be for most of the season then no it will not it will not do that it will it will lose at least two games in that stretch if not three Whoa. Let's have a prediction. Mark it down, Serbs. Let's circle back to it. You said the next eight games?
2: Uh, I rattled off the next eight games there for Kentucky just then. What's guess. your
4: record for Kentucky in that stretch?
2: Seven and one.
4: Give me six
2: and two. I'm putting this on my whiteboard. I'm at the office. I'm putting right, it on the old whiteboard, buddy. You're going six and two, huh? Yep. What if they go eight and one or uh, eight and oh? Does that mean I win?
4: That is. That means you win. Excellent. Love it. By the we'll way, not be going eight. No, just, to work, so, just so we're clear on this, Kentucky will not be going eight.
2: Steely Dan no. does rock, and I know Cerber's a Steely Dan head as well. By the way, we will talk spinning on the back end of the – we'll talk spinning. We'll talk <laughs> <Wow>. music. <laughs> You're
1: Thank a cool you. are very cool
2: guy. We will talk music in the now spinning uh, portion of the show at the very end. But Cerber, who is a Steely Dan fan, had to check out of the Steely, Steely Dan tickets up. that you had. Am I wrong? Like that is a show that has been postponed, and you said no mas. I'm not. I'm not playing this game anymore. Correct. Yeah, no, I got a refund. You walked uh, away my, from Steely I, Dan. I did walk away. Yeah, I show got canceled twice.
4: Hate to see it. I can't okay, be I, checking out. Uh, listen, it's just Fagan. Fifty really. percent of the founding members, two people, aren't with us on on the Terra Firma anymore. I, it's not steely dan so yeah, I, it's I, just
1: fagin so like yeah. like i'm not playing the game for fagin like listen he's great the band sounds awesome i love yeah, I'm the sure. songs yeah becker's not there like it's it's not, it's, not I, it's this is not like this is not like when i got to see the stones before charlie watts died That's
4: you know right. this, you need good old wb up there good old walter but he's he has departed us so yeah you know it's just not the same. I'm I'm gonna have never seen Steely Dan. Unfortunately, that is that is gonna be a love me some Dan. But uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come and go. I would I would I would anticipate. I don't. That's not my plans to check out Fagan and what is undoubtedly a, a razor sharp live showing. I'm not doubting that, but it's not quite the same. So anyway, you got
2: Arkansas making the tournament. Norlander, they've lost four in a row.
4: I mean, okay. this and is a 50-50 proposition at this point, without, right? Oh, look at you. It's, it's almost like you were watching HQ Live, which you weren't. I was. But I, I, could,
2: I could tell you the color of the tie. I watched what was it.
4: The co- what was the color?
2: You looked like you walked off the floor in, uh, in Knoxville, buddy. Wow,
4: he was watching. What was the album behind me? It was some Greatest Hits album, which is... A, Incorrect. Which is... One of the 10 to 20 best debut albums in history.
2: No, no, no. Oh, was it... Maybe it was a clip. Now, go ahead. Tell me. What was it? It go was ahead. The Cars.
4: The oh. Cars debut album.
2: I mean, I was kind of doing other things, man. Like That's all right, but you had it on, going.
4: and you did. I had the uh, I had the checkered orange tie. Good call there. Arkansas will it make the tournament? I'm gonna say yes, but I put it at. Jeez, 10 days ago, two, two weeks ago, I put it at 15% at miss. And then when it lost to Vandy over the weekend, I doubled that up to 30%. And now it's a 50-50 deal. It's a 50-50 deal right now with the Razorbacks. 12-6 and six don't have a road win. A good win over San Diego State on the neutral floor. That's a good win. And then uh, an acceptable victory against Oklahoma on a neutral right now. That's that's all there is on the resume. They they have a home win over Missouri, which is okay, but they have a split with Missouri, so it can't, it cancels out at this point. They've got to play at Baylor. They've got to play at Kentucky. They've got to play at A&M, which has not taken an SEC loss yet. Got to play at Bama, at Tennessee. Has a return game against Kentucky. 50-50 proposition. They don't shoot well, man. They cannot shoot from three. They don't have any three-point shooters on the roster right now that are playing. They need to, maybe Nick Smith Jr., who's going to be probably a top-10 pick, not probably, he will be a top-10 pick in the NBA draft whether he plays or not, but they need him to come back and actually show that he can shoot. He only took 23s. He's played in five games this season. He's 6 of 20 from the field, so it's a small sample size, but yeah, they're, they've got, uh, they, got a, they got an issue right now. I, Musselman's a really good coach. So I think he can get them out of this, um, but there's a few teams that started off really hot and they're kind of caught in the middle of a lot of it and Arkansas is one UConn's another we'll get to that with Fanta. But um, yeah, I'll remind listeners that Arkansas also completely completely with the exception of two players rebuilt its roster on on transfers and freshmen. All but two players on this roster were not on that campus 12 months ago. So yeah,
2: but they've got two lottery picks. I realize one of them's banged up, but they got yeah, two yeah. lottery picks. They yeah, no,
4: be it's not that they don't have talent. They do, but sometimes when you do this, though, like it can go sideways. It can go sideways on you. So you know, a lot of people had faith. Musselman will be able to make it work, and maybe he still will. Ricky Council is a Providence transfer who's been quite good this season. But Trevon Brazil, he was, you know. Oh, on pace to be an nba pick with how well he was playing early in the season really good uh stretch big he's out for the season with an acl nick smith jr's got a banged up knee we'll yeah. see if he can come back yeah
2: uh let's segue to the to the big east shall we john Fanta, a friend of the program has joined the show uh john thank you good morning i re- i realized that you were up oh you hell you were courtside last night you were there for uh seton hall's comeback against uconn so let's start there hell of a win for your hall
3: madness at the prudential center and thanks for having me guys it's great to be with you i'll tell you what i have seen some good atmospheres in that building in recent years because kevin willard did have Seton hall going and, and in the conversation around this time of year i have never seen it like it was last night what
4: yeah. hold on hold on fanta okay okay two things <laughs> one two th- two things <laughs> actually three things one john is a legend for joining us because he did a late show on the Field of 68 last night, but he's here to, to make it happen. So, so appreciate you on that. So that's that's first of all, first and foremost. Two, two, I did see, and maybe, listen, with UConn's online fan base, you never know what's real and what's not and what's sarcasm and what's not. I saw a picture shared of The Rock last night, and that place looked 27% full. Was that, was that fake news?
3: It was fake news because it was a 6.30 tip-off. So it, it's a crowd that arrived about 640, 645 because of Newark rush hour traffic that's also coinciding with this game. And so there's there's that dynamic. It's hard to get in the building. But once we hit about 650, 655, I, I won't deny it. Late arriving crowd. No question about that. But I'm just telling you. Uh, and here's a couple of reflection points that that show you why this building got crazy. Well, first off, they had a lower bowl sellout. They don't open the top bowl. They make it a more intimate uh, atmosphere there in the Prudential Center. It's just how Seton Hall doesn't. Yep. And to reflect how crazy the fan base was, last night, was Seton Hall's largest comeback win in a Big East game since Lewis Orr was the head coach of the program. Man. how What was he the biggest deficit in that one? 20 points to St. John's in 2006. Last mm. night was 17 in a game where Seton Hall shot four for 21 from three. Mm. This is not a good offensive team. They are dead last in scoring offense in the Big East. They are dead last in three-point shooting in the Big East. They're, they're right there near the bottom in four percentage. They're not good offensively. But Shaheen Holloway doesn't care about offense. He does it with defense time and time and time again. And last night he got his signature win. Uh, the images of it after were, were really something. And it's why all the way back last spring, why you guys said, hey, he's the home run hire." It's a dream scenario for Seton Hall. And you could feel it in the building last night. And as much as it was a dream scenario for Seton Hall, a, a night where they get back in the conversation, kind of show, showing the beauty of college basketball, if it was a dream for the Hall, it was an absolute nightmare for the Connecticut Huskies. An absolute nightmare of a meltdown. At the Prudential Center.
4: All right. Before we get to UConn, I I gotta ask about the building, the Rock. Okay, I've been there, but it's now been. We're in 2023. I think I have I have intentionally avoided hauling my <laughs> ass down to that dump since 2015, wow. maybe. Jeez. Fanta, Fanta, like I, mean, I know it's it's Jersey, it's Seton Hall, so it's probably a beloved. But like, I don't know that that that's so, gotta be that's gotta be the least. Even like Georgetown, like they don't fill it, and trust me, the the fan situation in Georgetown right now is atrocious. But the building is nicer. I don't know. Like is Seton Hall going to play in this thing for the next thirty years? Like is there no alternative that they can have a better home arena? I, I don't know. It always feels weird to me that that is uh that is their spot. They make it their own when they're good. I guess it's 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 a uh, it's a lovable kind of thing. But that I don't know. Marylander, it's always you, bothering me how want, Seton Hall doesn't man? have better home. It's digs. It's
2: real estate in New Jersey. What do you want, man? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, exactly. Golly. So
3: let me give you guys a story here. We're going to go vintage here, and then I'll explain the arena. But I think okay. the listeners to the podcast can appreciate this. Okay, a little background because I think the casual fan is like Seton Hall University. Where is that one? Like the casual fan, hundred percent. And two, and two. How on earth are they in the Big East conference? Because if you heard Seton Hall, some people are like, "Well, Sacred Heart or the other shoe or Seton Hill." You know, I think people wonder, and and I did go there. I have a degree from there, so. I and as a result, you get some stories in your time there of how the place sort of is in the Big East and where it's at. So, Seton Hall did join the Big East; they're a charter member. So back in 1979, they they were invited. They accepted the invitation. They found a way into the league. And and you think back in those days, Bill Raftery was coaching Seton Hall, and and then eventually P.J. Carlissimo was the coach who led them on their 1989 run. But about three years into their time in the Big East guys. Dave Gavin was concerned along with his dignitaries of the Big East and presidents because Seton Hall was not pulling their weight. They weren't pulling their weight. Um, and Dave went to the school and said, hey, you know, we, we need some money from you if this is going to work. Like we're just not getting enough. We're concerned. You know, we we need you guys to contribute something along with the likes of the, the other charter members that had been there and Villanova, who joined a year after. But, you know, you think back to the, the original Big East with UConn and Georgetown and St. John's and Syracuse. I mean, that that was those schools were delivering. And frankly, Seton Hall just wasn't in the same class. So Dave Gavitt said to Seton Hall, you know, I'm going to need twenty five thousand dollars. Like, we're going to – he legitimately is asking the school for some money to pull their weight. Well, Seton Hall, in, back in the early 1980s, you know, $25,000 was so much more than it is. And Seton Hall didn't have money lying around. They they didn't. They went to one of their donors who was a big sports fan, okay? He was uh, a a minority owner of Avis Rent-A-Car. <laughs> okay. he, he, he pieced the money together to keep wow. Seton Hall in the Big East. Wow. So Seton Hall has Avis Rent-A-Car to thank back in the early 1980s for even staying in the Big East Conference and, and staying on as, as a charter member and staying on through the years. But my point is, this is a place that's a mom-and-pop shop. They are. It's 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 not a job that, that when Kevin Willard took took the Seton Hall job, it was a job that was in a very dark place and a program in a very dark place. You, you know they're one of the lone Big East programs that doesn't have a practice facility. Like they have a practice gym, but they don't have your full fledged workout facility that's that's only for the men's basketball team and that you know really uh, uh, enhances their program. They don't have a facility upgrade nil is very difficult in new jersey that's 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 a it's a real tall subject and even if they had more nil regulations let's face it they're not it's not like they're going to be one of the leaders in that column my point it's the prudential center they pay a rental fee okay the prudential center houses seton hall basketball but mainly the new jersey devils seton hall really has no space to build on their campus and where on earth else are they going to go in the state of New Jersey to play their home games? So their, their hands are tied. It's a very interesting situation. It's kind of a difficult situation for them because, of course, they'd like to play in some on-campus house that, that they could have games. They have old-school Walsh Gym, which also hasn't changed much in its 75-year existence. So it is your mom-and-pop shop, college basketball program, that has found a way to stay on the power conference level through the years and they have a rental car company to thank back in the 80s for even staying in the Big East Conference. And frankly, the last the, they're one of the schools, Matt and Steven. They benefited almost as much as anybody when the Big East reconfigured because it allowed them to make a move up on the map and become relevant. And that's what they've been for a good portion of the last decade. John, I've
2: got, a, I've got a question for you. I give Norlander a hard time because he's he's the guy who's got 35 teams going to Houston this year, right? Like incorrect. everybody's Final Four caliber good. You <laughs> cover the Big East better than anyone. How many Final Four caliber teams are in this year's Big East?
3: Ooh. I I don't know if there is one. I mean, I think that Xavier is so dangerous offensively that they would be my leader. I don't trust UConn. Marquette, to me, is a sweet 16 good enough team. I wouldn't say Final Four. And Creighton has no depth. So I don't think that there's – I'll say this. I would be pretty surprised if there was a Final Four team this year. The, The ironic thing is, as I say this, I also wouldn't be surprised if two or three teams out of the Big East made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. That wouldn't surprise me. But I just think there's a bit of a divide there. For me, I have like a clear-cut seven or eight top tier that outside that top eight, I could see cases for certain teams making the final four, but I think some things would have to change for those teams. So like my top tier of teams is is I think it's Houston, Kansas, Purdue. Alabama, UCLA, and then like even after that, after those top five teams, I think it's I think there's a drop off. I just do I think there's a drop off uh, in the country.
2: That's it's how it's like, done, Norlander. That's how it's done. Five for four. That's that's ideal.
3: Fantastic.
4: One, there will be at least one team that he did not mention that will make the final four. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely. that's also awesome. yeah.
3: Matt's absolutely right. I think. You could both say like you could have a top tier, but also understand one of those. That's the thing. One of the, if not two, if not two of those teams will end up making the final four, like the the of uh, the other teams. But like to me, there's a cutoff there after the top five. Like like even in the for what it's worth, the AP polls, the AP poll. Everybody's got their opinions, but like, do I really trust Gonzaga this year? No, no, I don't. Um, do I trust Texas in the NCAA tournament? Their their offense sometimes concerns me. You know, Xavier could be a dark horse. They're they're just so good offensively, guys. Like, they are they're a really first off, they're a really fun team to watch, but mm-hmm. you have to think Sean Miller will, will keep trying to get the best out of them defensively. Tennessee's tough. They're they're still such a tough team. I just don't trust them on the offensive end of the floor. But like I, I'll tell you what, I, I think the Big Twelve was in position. Like It wouldn't surprise me to see two Big 12 teams in the Final Four. That league's just having such a ridiculously good year. And, you know, I think some people – like somebody asked me last night on our Field of 68 show, like, who do you like more, Iowa State or Kansas State? It's like, why do I have to like one more? I love them both. I think they're both really, really good teams. And I think if Iowa State or Kansas State was named Duke or Kansas or UCLA – we'd be talking differently about those teams. Those teams get affected because their names are what they are, in my opinion, not by guys like Norlander and you, Stephen, and myself, but I do think sometimes perception gets affected by the name brand.
2: Speaking of name brands, uh, you brought up Gonzaga a moment ago. I I, I know we're in mid-season, and this isn't the, the off-season topic that it was or the message board topic that it was. We're not here to get clicks, but I am curious, John, like, the future of the Big East, is it going to involve Gonzaga? Does the Big East need Gonzaga? I feel like Gonzaga could use the Big East. Geography doesn't matter in college sports anymore. What do you think,
3: mm-hmm. man? Well, that's a great question. And I think that Gonzaga has desire to join the Big East. Gonzaga has desire to join the league. But Mark Few likes the idea. He's he's not against it at all. I, I've, I've heard this... From multiple sources, that Mark Fuse tried to be a, a guiding force to explore options with the Big East, and it's it's interesting because the former Xavier president, Xavier University president, is actually on the Gonzaga board of regents. Deep cut there, so there's a connection there with if the university's ever talking with the conference. Uh, Father Graham, who used to be the the president at Xavier University, has involvement with Gonzaga's board and Gonzaga's senior officials. So there is a there's there is a relationship there. You asked, does the Big East need Gonzaga? I don't think the Big East needs Gonzaga for it to maintain its spot at the table. However, if it doesn't need Gonzaga, it sure as hell needs Georgetown, St. John's, And now Villanova, to get off the mat, Villanova to a much lesser extent, but you guys know what I mean, Mm -hmm. and be relevant, okay? Because the TV contract for the Big East and Fox Sports is up in two years, and that deal is getting impacted because, I mean, it is because Georgetown is not providing the ratings that Fox Sports signed up for and that a major television partner wants. Georgetown used to have serious cachet. And even now they're on broadcast TV. They still get like decent numbers when you compare them to the broad spectrum, because I think some people just see Georgetown. They're like, Oh, I'll watch the game. Having mm-hmm. some people have no bearing, like no, no uh, clue of, of what's really going on. But like a lot of people do now have a clue because it's been so bad for so long for the Hoyas. So the, If it's not Gonzaga, which I still think that's a bit of a long shot in the Big East particularly, if it's not them, then you do need some of your traditional brands that have garnered television ratings and that garner major interest to start performing at a higher level. And I'm mainly looking at the Hoyas because they can't be any worse. And I'm also looking at St. John's because, frankly, they haven't been able to get out of their own way for the better part of the last 10 years. I mean, St. John's has not made, this is crazy to think about, St. John's University has not made the Big East Tournament semifinals. They haven't even been one of the last four standing in the semifinals of their own conference tournament since 2000. It's been 23 years since they even made the final four of the Big East Tournament. And and obviously they've had a couple NCAA Tournament bids, but they've been sweating on Selection Sunday. St. John's and Georgetown got to be better. If you're not adding a member, then you need some of your most relevant brands to start getting off the mat and getting back on it.
4: Love it. It is, I mean, I don't know which, so Villanova we'll see, right? And what Fanta just mentioned there, the reason why that's critical for the Big East and its next rights deal and how much money you can get and the conference and all that stuff is, Georgetown is in DC, St. John's is in New York City, and Villanova's and Philadelphia. Those are three of the four biggest cities on the East Coast and therefore three of the four biggest, most important cities from a just a television standpoint, you know, markets and regions and all that in the entire country there. Nova, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see if Neptune can get him back. This is his first season. Who knows? Georgetown has to make a change that is inevitable at this point. The question is, does Patrick Ewing... There is no like parting ways. He either resigns or he gets fired. All right. So you see a lot of softer language these days. At the end of the day, someone either has to say, I'm going to step away. And in doing so, I will give up my money or you have to fire me and pay me. So it will be one or the other. And I've been told by a few people repeatedly that Patrick Ewing will not quit on his alma mater. <laughs> He's just not going to do it, which is going to force Georgetown to fire him. They have to do it. It is an it is a disgrace, man. They have lost. 33 straight games against power conference opponents. I yes. believe that is an all-time record. Maybe there was a team in the in the Pac-12 in the in the 70s or 80s that lost more than 33 straight games to power conference opponents. Uh, maybe. But I don't know, man. That you're talking uh, it just it's unthinkable. Uh and yet and yet and yet and yet I feel Fanta I feel like and St. John's is, you know, it's just existing right now. Like it's not, it's not a disgrace. It's, it's whatever. It's the thirteen yeah, and sixteen they- right, right now. Like it's, it's whatever. Like it's fine. Like it's, Mike Anderson has been, uh, he's been just an okay hire, right? And I'm not convinced that they'll make a change after this season. But you never know. It would not surprise me because that job still does carry some cachet for some folks. It would not surprise me if a change was made there. So on that note. I still feel like Georgetown is, huh, I I feel like even though Georgetown's program and maybe its athletic department are undeniably in more disarray than St. John's, the appeal of Georgetown seems more immediately flippable to me than St. John's, which has just been just kind of out there. Like it, it mattered for 15 years, right. And late seventies into the mid nineties and you know, shouts to Eric Barkley and around the turn of the century, I get all that, but Georgetown made a final four in 2007. Like it was getting decent seeds and it was getting upset in the tournament. Just seems like Georgetown will command the better candidates and it can be, can be flipped quicker. But this is a, this is a major, major problem the fantas point and you can kind of spring off this if you want it one more time john uh the big east you know it need it i i will say it needs on an annual basis there is nova st johns georgetown yukon those are the four that matter those are the four that matter most there's benefits to other schools being good but it is georgetown nova st johns yukon they need two of those four <coughs> excuse me to be NCAA tournament good on an annual basis, to elevate the conference's appeal, image, you name it. And right now, I actually think the league is good in spite of itself because it's only been one program right now, and that's UConn. And even as we speak in the moment, UConn is fading.
3: Yeah, good point. All good points. I think there's a couple of branch off points here to to all this. Number one, we're in the 10th year of the reconfigured Big East since the league reconfigured in 2013. A Midwest program in this league, meaning Creighton, Xavier, Marquette, and DePaul Butler, has never won the Big East tournament. Hmm. It has not happened. Uh, it's been Villanova, Providence in 2014, Seton Hall in 2016, and Georgetown in the COVID year, which was just straight nuts. Outside of that, Creighton's been to four Big East title games. Four out of nine. They haven't won any of them, so it, that's a storyline that I'm going to be looking at in March because I think I think uh, it's it's interesting that nobody from the Midwest has been able to win at the Garden. Also, Matt, to your point, like people go back to the Big East tournament. You've been back there in the reconfigured. Everybody says it, you know, it's not what the old league was. We all know that narrative, but people have said like, hey, this reconfigured tournament, at least on you know semifinal Friday and the championship game Saturday. Like, it still delivers the goods at Madison Square Garden. But what happens this year if it's Creighton and Marquette for the Big E Tournament Championship game? You're just not the same crowd in there. And I just – like, that's, that's where your point gets summed up. Right now, only one of the four that you listed between UConn, Villanova, St. John's, Georgetown, only one of the four is a tournament team. And the other three – just haven't been good enough. St. John's is out there. They did beat UConn over the weekend, although that doesn't look as impressive now because the Huskies have lost five of their last six games. Still, it's a it's a road win for Mike Anderson. And like you said, like to me, whoever gets Georgetown, I think Georgetown is the most fascinating hire of this, of this upcoming offseason cycle. Because in my opinion, there's nobody left in the family. Meaning the John Thompson tree. There's nobody right. left in the family. To, there's nobody left in the family to hire. There's a dynamic between who's going to make this hire at Georgetown. The president Jack DeJoya is obviously a prominent force in the NCAA. His athletic director Lee Reed uh, is a, a really good AD. But the the thing with Georgetown is the head coach doesn't report to the athletic director at least under the Thompson administration and under John Thompson's full watch, the head coach has reported to the president of the university. So that's a really interesting power dynamic. And do we see a refresh? Do we see a total reset? Do you see a, an openness from the Hoyas? Do they change who they are? They, they really kind of need that. They need a, They need someone who's going to be not just a winning coach, but they need to find a marketer they need to find someone who who goes on social media and promotes his program and gets people back in seats because right now Georgetown's averaging less than 1000 people that are actually sitting inside their games at, Yikes. at Capital One Arena I mean it's just not it doesn't even anymore.
4: start that that is that is so damning I mean, it's it's just—it's unthinkable what George Con is right now. It's—it's it's unthinkable. Okay, it is—it is inconceivable how much of a joke the program is. They need to start a new. Fanta, you're right. Uh, I actually think they need someone. I, the candidate list that'll start to emerge is is interesting because there's you get some good veteran names, and I don't know if you go for the. Uh, I don't know if you go for the uh, the quick fix with a guy who might not be there more than four or five years and you hope that the guy that comes after that can get it done, like uh, Rick Petino's name's been put out there. Uh, and I get that, but like Rick Petino's not 52. like He's in his 70s already, and he's not going to be right. coaching Georgetown for 10 years. Or can you somehow try and strike gold with someone between 45 and 55 and, and get your coach for 10, 15 years? But it'll be the first time someone not connected to John Thompson is, is hired there, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. But uh, and my last thing on this here and then will take it away. Um, I, because of all the dynamics at Georgetown, I act I believe that a change is coming, but I, I do put it at five percent that, that that no change happens. Just it. It's a different place. Different place and it's Patrick Ewing. He's the second most important person in the history of that program. And the only one that's more important is the guy who hired him. The guy who recruited him and put him, put him on the roster there. So I think they will make a change, but I'm not saying it's 100%. I just can't. It's Georgetown. I, I can't say that that's for sure, 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 sure going to happen.
2: Uh, John, you, uh, you're, you are a grinder, my man. You work like eight days a week. Uh, before we get into our weekend preview, where would you be courtside this weekend? What game are you working?
3: So as we talk on Thursday night, tonight, 7 Eastern Time, CBS Sports Network, UNCW will pay a visit to Hofstra. I'm calling the game with Tyreek Turner. Looking forward to calling it. It was a great game last year on Long Island. Hofstra's got one of the best mid-major pure scorers in the country in Aaron Estrada. He is fantastic to watch. UNCW is legit defensively. Guys, I don't think Takeo Siddle will be at UNCW a whole lot longer. I really like him. I think his team's played so hard for him. He's gotten Traff's Coliseum on fire. They've been overshadowed. They get overshadowed, but by Charleston this year in the CAA, but uh, UNCW last year won 12 consecutive games. They set a school record for the most wins in a row in school history. This year they won 13 in a row. So Siddle's done a great job. So I'll be there tonight, Saturday afternoon for FS1, 2 Eastern time from Amica Mutual Pavilion. Um, I'm with Donnie Marshall as DePaul pays a visit to Providence. DePaul coming off of quite a shocking win over Xavier. Uh, Get this fun college basketball nugget. Tony Stubblefield when he was with Dana Altman the last seven times that they met Sean Miller Oregon won so Stubblefield has now on the sidelines at least uh, because he was an assistant but now as a head coach has won his last eight meetings with Sean Miller on the other side so something weird there but DePaul Hmm. got a win so now they're at Providence so I'll have that on Saturday Sunday I'll just be watching a bunch of games and taking it all in and getting ready for another new week.
2: Getting ready for the uh, Cleveland Browns in the NFL draft, right? It's never too early, buddy. Never too early, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) John, appreciate the time, man. You are a busy guy. Thank you for being generous with some time this morning. At John underscore Fanta on Twitter. He's on TV like literally every night.
3: Field of 68. Great stuff as always. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you guys. Norlander, please send me some sort of link so that I can find an umbrella for March.
4: Inappropriate. Thank oh, you.
3: I you're going to have to explain
2: the the joke to me, Norlander. What's what's that about?
4: I went into the I went into New York City in November and it was raining, so I brought an umbrella, and so Jeff Goodman thought that this was uh something worth mocking. Like, what are we doing here? It was raining. I brought an umbrella, and the the, the size of the umbrella it was a, it was a legitimate umbrella. It wasn't was one it of a those golf umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, strong. Yeah, it's a strong move. Yeah. So plus the, you can so,
2: use it as like a walking stick. You know, it's like kind of like yeah, a exactly lean on real ones now. Bit real ones know. Yeah, I got. Listen, I've got a golf umbrella in my car just in case.
4: Well, you come prepared?
2: And I got one in my wife's car too. She yep. has a Max Fly. I've got a T-list though. Just, just they're, they're they're I mean they're, they're
4: Mine not. is a travelers.
2: Okay. That's on brand Mine from is Connecticut. A travelers. I mean as I mean, they run that state, so well played. Uh, thanks to John Fanta. If you guys don't know, Fanta's a machine. That probably came through in the interview and he is on TV or Twitter doing a show or a game like literally every night of the week, as was evidenced. Uh, by the content there in that uh, in that interview so we appreciate fans joining us. I want to use that as a look ahead to the weekend Norlander. There are a pair of games on Thursday that I want to start with ranked teams they're not I guess it's not group of five they're called mid majors in college basketball okay College of Charleston at Monmouth which this is a learning experience for me didn't realize Monmouth was in the Colonial okay <laughs> this is a league game Smoky Charleston going to Monmouth, FAU at UTSA. So here's my question. Have Charleston and or FAU done enough, Norlander, to get at-large berths if they don't win their conference tournaments?
4: Not yet, but both are trending and tracking toward that. Both have NCAA tournament resumes at the moment, but you know, they gotta they have to avoid all the landmines in these leagues. Charleston has a nineteen and one record. It's eighteen and one for NCAA tournament purposes. One of those wins has come from outside the division one level. But I got Charleston in my, on my hot list po- power rankings, number 10. They, they, uh, what do you want from me? They, they won't lose. So they continue to rise as all these other teams are falling. Florida Atlantic is a 17-1 record. It's actually 15-1 and 1 for NCAA tournament purposes because they have two wins against non-Division 1 teams this season. Florida Atlantic unquestionably has the better resume because it has played better tougher opponents and has better wins at this stage but fau shouts to dusty may so i also i love college athletics man there's a coach of a relevant program out there his name is dusty you don't dusty. know anybody
2: named dusty you
1: never grew up with a guy named dusty
4: no i did not well, dusty that's not that popular on i feel like one body. out of every you know like what, 600 Dust dudes Dusty
1: Rhodes, the american <laughs> dream the most american name that's ever been in this great land all the way from charlotte north carolina to memphis tennessee baby
4: <laughs> wow server coming in hot so
1: good you, you want to hear about hard times daddy hard times uh, is going 30 big east games without winning a single one of them and your yeah. honey won't fit in the chair no more because the seat has gotten so hot
4: <laughs> i <laughs> i do know i do i believe i think i should google this i think dusty Rhodes is is a former wrestler right that's correct. You know who yeah, that was not my Dusty scene growing roads? Up. If yeah.
2: You take the glasses off of Fanta and give him a perm, he would make a good Dusty Rhodes. Oh, wow. What do you think about that, Serbs?
1: Just a thumb, just a plumber-thun. <laughs> <laughs> beside yeah, see? myself. You slipped up.
2: You slipped up. You tried to stay in character. You couldn't do it. Here's <laughs> the thing, Norlander. Charleston and FAU, you know why I've got my eye on those two schools? Not because uh, I grew up in the CAA with Charleston. Okay, fair. I'm here for the bid thievery. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I'm here for WKU running rampant through the Conference USA tournament and stealing a bid. That's what I'm here for.
4: FAU is going to need to probably get to the the CUS now. Conference USA is actually having a good year from in Major League. Um, Did they still FAU, drop
2: the curtain and have two courts going at once in that? No, I don't. Gym? I think that's a thing of the
4: past. Uh so FAU's got two roadies here: UTSA and then UTEP. Uh, two roadies in three days. So, And they just won on the road. They actually had no issue with WKU in the toppers. But it's asking a lot for this team to win four out of five on the road. But that's what it needs to do to maintain a one-loss situation there. I think FAU will have an at-large case if it gets to the tournament, the CUSA tournament, with three or fewer losses. It will have a viable at-large case in that scenario. Three or fewer is the number. Charleston doesn't have a resume that is good, that is as good as them. I'm looking at Charleston's schedule right now. Um, yeah, like you can't lose to Monmouth on the road. It's 3.55 at Ken Palm, Come man. On, man. Monmouth, is is and Monmouth is 1-17. Monmouth is 1-17. and Who's the one win? Manhattan. Jaspers? That's a whole other situation. So, yeah, Charleston, I think, can get to the CAA postseason Two or fewer losses, absolutely, we will have a large case. Three, because we under this scenario, we are adding a loss in the league tournament because they're not getting the automatic bid. So, can a four-loss Charleston team get into the tournament? I actually think that's going to be a tough prospect. Wow. But let's we'll see. A three-loss team, absolutely. FAU with three losses, absolutely. FAU with four losses is actually going to have a pretty good case, depending on how those losses arrive. But they're you know, keep an eye. They're they're awesome. They're awesome. Awesome stories right now, and. Uh, and yeah, they FAU's got a chance to actually. If it does, if it really takes care of business, FAU's got a chance to to land itself in an eight-nine game.
2: True or false? Best games of the evening on Thursday are in the Pac-12. That's true. Yeah, you love to see it. Validation.
4: That's yeah, true. I mean, you see USC plays at Arizona. Arizona, get it together, like Arizona. Figure has, it
2: out. Figure it out, guys.
4: Yeah, okay, exactly. And then UCLA is favored on the road against an Arizona state team that is off to its best start in league play in like almost 40 years. So prove it weekend for the sun devils, uh, UCLA, which I have number one in my power rankings on Thursday at com. Wow. Um, it's not like UCLA is hiding out there. It's just, you know, it, has, it's, it hasn't been prominent. Like, its games haven't been featured. They're hiding nationally because they
2: play at 11 o'clock yeah, Eastern Yeah, part time. of
4: it's that. But if UCLA can go this weekend, this is actually asking a lot. I won't be surprised if it does it, but I think it's going to go one-on-one. But if UCLA sweeps the Arizona schools, then there will be understandable di- dialogue and discourse about UCLA maybe being the best team in the country. And that's a good thing for college hoops.
2: Yeah, I would agree. They are four and a half point favorites at Arizona State. I've got to think that the game at McHale Saturday, which is slated, by the way, for a two o'clock Eastern tip, that is, and it's on oh. ABC National. I mean, that is a prime time. I mean, it's not at night, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, that yeah. is. Now, the that only is problem is you're going up against you know the NFL playoffs. But uh, uh, UCLA, no, you're Arizona. not. No, you're not.
4: No, what? you're not. Saturday, two, two Eastern, uh, two Eastern on Saturday. Yeah. That first playoff game's kicking at probably four thirty, so okay. you're actually not going up against the NFL playoffs. Okay,
2: well, thank you, but I yeah, you're. It's a tall order. I was going to say I think UCLA Arizona is probably like a pick 'em. I don't, I don't know if UCLA is going to be favored in that game. Arizona but, will be favored in that game. Okay, same Arizona team that lost at home to the Cougs of Washington State.
1: Can, can I can I present a, a philosophical point? Where, yes. What do you think people are doing in the in the lead up to those NFL playoff games? Making dip. Yeah, man, they're making dip. They're going to get the pizza. They're going to get the wings. It is going up against those games. Now they
4: got they got the games on because it it, it adds to the vibe of the day. Great sports no, day. Let's busy. see. Is there a good game on? Let's see what He's games. Human we'll, we'll,
1: beings, we'll, not robots. Matthew Norlander.
4: Exactly. They're human beings. They they want to get <laughs> they want to get amped up. They got they, they got the game be. on. Things to do. <laughs> they get that done. Ten forty-five a.m. Come on! All
1: right. That's 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 oh, cold pizza, man. That's yeah, cold wings. I, I'm,
4: I'm with I'm with Cerber on this.
1: We don't live that life around here. Yeah. these parts.
2: What's okay. the best game of Saturday for you, Norlander?
4: The best game of Saturday is UCLA at Arizona. What's the um, second best game? give me. Uh, you want me to say Miami at Duke, don't you?
2: I mean, it's, it's your answer. You
4: can take it's int- it any it's, way you like. It carries intrigue. Um, yeah, Miami Duke. It's actually, it's a, it's it's a just okay Saturday. Now, last Saturday was a just okay Saturday, and then we had eleven ranked teams fall, which was the most in twelve years or eleven years. Uh, UCLA Arizona is comfortably the best game of Saturday, and then Miami, which has been. Hanging around in the polls and is a a team that made, was, you know, what, a win away from from going to the Final Four last year. It got destroyed by Kansas in the Elite Eight, but it made the Elite Eight. It's 15 and three. It's dropped two of its past four, like lost at Georgia Tech, lost at NC State in overtime, close games, understandable, but now you're playing Duke. Miami's actually got it. How about this? Two of the past four have been on the road, and and four of the next five are on the road. So the Hurricanes are going to take some L's here, I think. It's actually a good team. This is this is a just remember. Come March, Miami's going to take a few losses here. They're they're not a metrics darling, but they definitely have the offense to shooting and the guard play to again make a second weekend run in the NCAA tournament. I'm just telling you now. Um, Duke is not ranked for the first time since March of 21, and this is kind of a big spot for the Blue Devils. And- got,
2: this is a gotta have it game. You got to have it.
4: Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. So that's that's my second most urgent game of Saturday, and it's a just okay slate. But you know, it's a nice little compliment to uh, the NFL playoffs. We'll have.
2: I have a hard out in six minutes because my real job beckons. Uh, can we talk a little tunes here, a little now spinning on our way out the door?
4: We uh, we got to pick one. We can't. Guster's got to wait. I need more than six minutes. That's fine. We can save the Guster concert discussion
2: for next week. That's fine. But um. We got to talk about this this album. This did you album. did
4: both of you listen to Drip Field by Goose? I did. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Serber does in his spare time. Serber probably not.
1: I, I I didn't. I don't oh, listen. Okay, very good. I Did not listen to it. I'm
2: sorry. Okay.
4: I actually would like Serber to listen to it. I'm I, by the way, I'm not like some huge champion of this album, but I have listened to it and and I want I want Serber's review. All right, give me give it to me.
2: I mean, it's a fine album. It's fine. It's solid, right? Yeah, I mean, there's some bangers on there. there's
4: there's, 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 there's a couple. Rated.
1: Give me a Rolling Stone star rating. What like do they five do? Five doesn't five?
2: tell me anything. They do five, but five? you can go half.
4: Yeah, five, but you can go half. I'll uh,
2: give it. I'll give it three and a half.
4: So will I. I'd i give it three wow. and a half. Wow. Yeah, that's, I would.
1: That's pretty good.
4: That's almost yep. excellent.
2: I mean, jam bands don't make solid albums unless you're Fish. So I don't. I. I mean, I can't put this. I'm freezing.
4: I can't put solid. this. How many the, songs? How many songs? Ten. Ten. Ten yeah. songs. How long Fifty-nine is minutes. The record? Fifty-nine Fif- minutes.
1: Fifty-nine. That's not awful.
4: This are the a- songs
1: there?
0: Yeah.
4: There's a is- couple songs there. They actually have, there's a there's something about Goose where, and I know you got a hard out, so I'll be quick on this. Um,
2: it's only a meeting. I mean, they can
4: wait. Oh, whatever, you can be late. Uh, some of their songs feel like uh, they are, contours of ideas and they just haven't been shaved down to be like uh, firm, (laughs) you know, firm, uh, fleshed out songs, but they do work, but there, there's a haze to some of their stuff that is, that is interesting. Um, but that being said, like there have been a couple of tunes off the record where it's been a day later and the melody of it's been like been bouncing around my head and that's a good sign.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. catchy, and unlike a lot of the uh, artists in this community, they can actually sing. So, like, that's great. It's not Fleet Foxes' Shore. It's not Tame Impala Currents, but it's fine. Like, it's yeah. fine. It's a nice album. It's a nice start. I
1: thought this was a jam band album. They are. but like, You're comparing I can, I'm, it to non-jam bands. Yeah, it's it's
4: I, jam bandy. It's It's got some of that, but they contain themselves. I think there might be one song that cracks the seven or eight-minute mark, maybe, but, yeah. See,
1: when it— when it comes to like a jam band though for me and this is just a this is this is my opinion only like I you are standing up to like the Allman Brothers and those guys had songs good luck and they were tremendous singers and the performance was just like are you kidding they also do this <laughs> and so like yeah. my only yeah, issue yeah. with the genre in general is that like it doesn't even seem like some are striving for that. They're just like, nah, I'm gonna noodling's enough. Noodling will get me by. And so I'm gonna put this record on, but I'm going into it with the expectation that, like, man, these guys might just be noodling.
4: No, it's not noodling. And you might even get, I, to me, there's even some vibes of like, a, like influence from the band Real Estate. Like some of the some of the sonic textures of some of that stuff. So there's even like a little bit of. Of contained indie rock, put in with this. Um, I actually like the bassist feel. Uh, I like and and the drummers got a drummer's got a pretty decent pocket too. Yeah, so. Two drummers, yes. Uh, I like they that. are they're a solid they're a solid band. But again, I'm a bit uh, mystified not the right word. But this band's on a rocket, man. Like they're doing calisthenics with with Bob Weir down in Mexico. Yeah, like,
2: yeah. A year ago, Norlander, you're you're emailing me grainy goose vids from your motorola razor and now they're here i mean it it, it's rapid trajectory rapid rapid ascent
1: they're made hey by the way
2: real quick as a as a father norlander you play a lot of music for your kids like are they obsessed with death like do they keep (laughs) asking you how many members of the band are still alive or is that just me
4: you know what um, that's yeah there somewhat yes um, I have my youngest who's four asked me how John Lennon died and I I did not give yeah, him I'm the not answer prepared to that for that conversation did either. not did not give him the answer to that the the truthful answer so there is some of that um, and yeah and that's a natural thing and maybe you're getting the fact that your children are done this too but yeah there has been like uh, are they all still alive how did he die because sometimes like we'll hear like an old band um simon and garfunkel is a perfect example
2: yeah i get
4: that simon and garfunkel and uh, i'm like no they're, they're both they're with us so um but yeah that's part of it okay
2: good i'm glad i'm not i'm glad i'm not alone next week we will talk about norlander being on stage with guster I, I promise, because I do want to give that some time. It made the rounds. I saw the pictures, and of course, you all saw the pictures of Norlander crashing Coach K's final game. So we will yeah. have that discussion and give it the time that it deserves, the space that it deserves. Sorry for the quick show, guys, but um, duty calls. This
4: was this was uh, this was quick. By the way, if you, if if our goose talk has you intrigued, I would say that the title track might be the best song on the album. I that's think it's inc- the third that's track. A, that's incorrect. It's incorrect. Yeah. Before we get out of here, give me your give me your best song on the album. I'm going though. hunger sight. Is that two or four? That's two. Two. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Moonrise is a different change of pace. I actually think that's a pretty solid song. Um, and I feel like uh, I feel like server might either love or hate the song Honeybee.
1: Are they loves. named after the, Are they named after the Fowl or the Top Gun character, the lovable <laughs> character from Top Gun?
4: Great I think it's question. The former. I don't know. Ah, this band, by the one. way, we're going to get out of here. But the thing that fascinates me about this band is they they developed in a city called Norwalk, Connecticut. And when they developed, like I was living in Norwalk, Connecticut, and playing bar gigs around the area relatively frequently when I could, just steal a steal a Friday night here, a Saturday night there, a Thursday night there. And I just, I, I, I never saw these guys. I never heard about them. And then it just, it went from that, like, nine, ten years ago to, you know, I don't know that they're going to play Bonnaroo, but, like, they could be, like, the main stage of Bonnaroo this year, and it wouldn't surprise me kind of deal. So, yeah, I mean life comes, life
2: comes at you fast, buddy. It comes at you fast. Uh, Norlander, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday, okay? Sounds good, guys. For Franca, for Norlander, for Serber, I'm Hartzell. Enjoy the weekend.